Welcome to Cat Talk Radio with your host, Molly DeVos. Molly is a cat expert and certified feline training and behavior specialist. With her expertise and her guests, you'll learn how to interpret and control behavior issues with your cat, how to entertain and converse with them, and keep up on the latest feline news around the world. Now, here is Molly DeVos. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Cat Talk Radio. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm your host, Molly DeVos, here to give you resources to make life with your cat more rewarding and, of course, behavior-free. We're doing this because Cat Talk Radio is an outreach program of Cat Behavior Solutions, which is a nonprofit that's dedicated to reducing cat shelter surrender by correcting and preventing those problem behaviors in the home. So Cat Behavior Solutions resources include this, the Cat Talk Radio Weekly Behavior Advice and Education Podcast, an information-rich blog and social media, virtual and in-home behavior consultations, educational seminars, and speaking engagements. And we do all this because, sadly, shelter euthanasia is still the number one cause of death in cats. So help keep us on the air please consider making a donation. You can find a link to our PayPal address on our website at catbehaviorsolutions.org. Any amount helps keep this information flowing to you free of charge. And today, my co-host is my mom. Hi, mom. Her name's Toby, too, by the way, but she also answers to Molly's mom. So, hi, mom. Hi, Molly. It's nice to be here again today. I'm still filling in for the handsome and talented Dewey. Maybe he'll be back with you next week. Actually, next week, we have Hannah Shaw, the kitten lady. We're going to be talking about her new book next week. So that's an exciting episode. So Dewey gets another week off. Ah, good. That's a nice long vacation for him. He's earned it. Yes, he has. (laughs) And I wanted to say, if any of you out there have been helped by the information that you hear on these podcasts or maybe through the Cat Behavior Solutions blog or if Molly's consulted with you. We'd really love to hear the difference it's made in your cat and your relationship with your cat. So email Molly at molly at cattalkradio.com. That'll be really appreciated and it will help other people know that there is information available here that really works. Yeah, I'd love to hear from you. Email me. Email, email. Uh, Today, I understand that we're going to talk about the 10 things that you need before you bring a cat home. Yes. So, why don't we start these items? What's the first thing that we really need to do before we bring a cat into the house? Well, the first thing you need is to have a family session about this. The family needs to meet and talk about the new pet. And everybody needs to get on the same page so that there's consistency for your new cat in the way that people interact with it, in the way that maybe some behavior issues are corrected. We talk about um, punishing cats, which we really don't do. It's a misnomer. But we talk about that in several of our previous episodes. Um, But the family needs to get together and and decide who's going to feed the cat, what time. Because cats need 
ritual and routine. So it's very important that they're fed at the same time every day. Their litter boxes are cleaned. So the family kind of needs to figure out what the schedule for the cat's life is going to be and who's going to perform those functions so that the cat will also build bonds with people differently in the family. But consistency is very important. So the first thing you need is a family meeting about the cat to have everybody on the same page. Well, that that makes a lot of sense. But what if there are other animals in the house too, dogs or other cats? Yeah, that's that's an important one. Um, you definitely want to set up the new cat if you if you have other pets in the home, and and really even probably if you don't, but you want to set it up in its own own room to begin with, so that it can slowly begin to you know, inspect the area and get used to the new home and put its scents everywhere. So set the cat up in a separate room. If you have another cat already, go to our website at catbehaviorsolutions.org and there's a link under resources for how to introduce the new cat. That's very, very important. Mm, That is, that's going to be a process for sure. Well, that takes care of the first item. And the second item is, you know, we have to care for the health of the pet, too, as soon as you bring them home. Don't think they have to make sure the vaccinations are appropriate. Usually the shelter takes care of that, but don't you need your own vet? Oh, absolutely. That would be definitely the second thing you need before you bring a cat home is to have a a relationship established with a veterinarian. You know, the majority of people don't take their cats to the vet primarily because it's it's so it's it's just such a hassle on everybody the cat is a very territorial species so anytime you take the cat outside of its home you know it gets stressed and nervous and the vet visits in particular when they're being handled weirdly and poked and prodded and things like that can be particularly stressful on the cat and the owner so a lot of people just say I'm not going to bother to do that. It's it's just way too traumatic on everybody. And they skip those regular vet visits. So get a relationship with a vet that's near you, that has hours that are convenient to your schedule, that you trust and you like. And be sure to take your new cat there uh, right away, regardless if, if the shelter, if you're Getting a cat from a shelter, usually they're spayed and neutered when you get them. They will have had all their initial um, shots and examination and that sort of thing. But it never hurts to to get a, a baseline established with a vet. Also, some shelters include free vet visits with the adoption of a new pet. So be sure to check your adoption packet and see if you have anything like that in there. Mm. Yeah, that would be really handy to have. Well, now that we've got those two settled, what happens when you bring the cat home and it is a strange environment? And what happens if a door gets left open and the cat gets out? What can we do to make sure that we can get that cat back home? Yeah, that would bring us item number three. That's a good one. Number three is make sure that your cat has a collar with a tag with your information on it so that if your cat does get out, um, you know, and, and found by someone that they can get in touch with you. And if it's taken to the shelter, they can get in touch with you. Mine has a tag that says, I'm an indoor only cat. If I'm out, I'm lost. So mm-hmm. that people know that it's urgent. 
that, you know, and, and there's all kinds of really funny ones, too, these days on, on Amazon. There's one that says, you know, oh, shit, I'm lost. Call my mom and <laughs> stuff like that. They're hysterical. <laughs> you can just go to Amazon and Google funny pet tags and it'll it'll crack you up, if nothing else. But the other thing is if you have adopted the cat from a shelter or a rescue group, chances are, too, it will already be microchipped. If it is not microchipped, and by the way, a microchip is a little tiny implanted device that when scanned, um, they usually implant it on the back of the cat's neck, kind of between its shoulder blades. And, and when scanned, it'll bring up a number, and that number is in a database that will link to your name and address and phone number. So in the event that the cat ends up in someone else's hands, veterinarians usually have scanners, shelters certainly have scanners, and the cat is scanned, and then that microchip information is accessed, and you can be called. If your pet did not come with a microchip, I strongly suggest that you get one as soon as possible. If you're in the Dallas area, Dallas Animal Services offers microchips for only $15, and you can get that on a walk-in basis any of the times that they're open. So be sure to get a, a microchip in your pet if it doesn't already have one. And then if it has one, you will have that information in your adoption packet, And I know that those adoption packets can be overwhelming at times and you're just concentrating on your new cat and you don't really read all the papers that come in there. But it's very important that you go out to that microchip company or call them as soon as possible and get the microchip information registered and current with you. And if at any point in time you change your address or you change your phone number, be sure to remember to call the microchip company and update that information because it's very important. That's the first line of contact that is used if your pet becomes lost. Yeah, that that updating is really, really important. We hear incidents where, you know, dogs have been picked up or cats, and they say that, you know, they have tried to get a hold of the people based on the microchip and the phone's either no longer working or the people have moved. So that update really is important, Molly. It is. There was, and, and there was that cat, remember um, Harvey was at the Dallas Animal Services and, and it had a microchip when it came in and it was registered to a family in Colorado in the Denver area. And they called them and the lady said, oh my God, my cat has been missing for a year and had no idea how this poor cat ended up in Texas. And we fostered him until she could afford to get on a flight and come down and get Harvey and take him home. And it was a, it was a real success story because, you know, microchip, microchipping works. It might take a while for your cat to find someone, you know, with a scanner and get back to you, but it absolutely works. Yeah, Harvey was a celebrity in town for a couple of days even. That was amazing. He had his little 15 minutes of lost fame. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, we've got all that covered. Now, I think one of the most important things in my mind would be, you've got this cat home, now what do you feed him? Yeah, food, obviously food. And this was one of the things, you know, that, that inspired me. You know, this friend of mine emailed me this list today that was in the news, 10 things you need before bringing a cat home. And I was shocked 
at some of the recommendations. I mean, clearly it was a paid uh, announcement, a product placement type of blog where they were getting paid by manufacturers to, to do this blog. It wasn't necessarily in the best interest of your cat because it said, you know, you need f- dry food. Well, you don't need dry food. That's a myth. Please don't feed your cats dry food. I have many podcasts on feeding cats and the nutrition of cats and feeding cats raw food. If you want to look at that, that's the most species appropriate diet you can give your cat. But, you know, if your cat's going to live a long, healthy life, it's going to live to about 18 years. And those end years are just like with people. You know, they're, they're uncomfortable geriatric things kidney failure and renal disease being top of the chart of the medical cause of death in cats. And that is primarily from poor diets their whole life. So it's important that you feed a cat that is the most species appropriate food. So at the top of that list, you'd want to feed your cat a raw food diet. There are commercial diets that make raw food easy to feed and safer to handle when freeze-dried. So they come in different varieties and in little balls. And I use the patties from Vital Essentials, um, which is just easy. You just crumble them up, you add warm water, and the cats go crazy for it. So it's a very, very easy diet to feed. It's not cheap because it's not full of inexpensive fillers. It's meat and organs and bones. It's what the cat really needs as a species appropriate diet second to that feed canned food and feed a good quality canned food read the ingredient label which means you'll need to take a magnifying glass with you to the grocery store (laughs) because you can't read that two-point type (laughs) And, and the shorter the ingredient list the better and the first few ingredients need to be meat. Very important. Cats need meat. But mostly they need hydration. So that's why we're recommending either a, a raw diet or a canned food diet, not dry food. Because in the wild, cats get all their hydration they need from the prey that they eat. You know, they are a desert species. So they don't, they don't really have a real strong thirst drive because they didn't have a lot of access to water where they evolved. So they cannot possibly drink enough water for them if you have them on a dry food diet, which means that you leave your cat mildly dehydrated their whole lives on a dry food diet, which is what leads to the kidney disease. So if you're going to get a canned food, read that label, make sure meat is the first few ingredients. Avoid anything that's listed as byproducts. Those are nasty things. Again, I go into more detail on other podcasts on nutrition and food. Um, But avoid corn and soy. Make sure that it's a a grain-free, gluten-free canned food. And go ahead and add a little warm water to that too. And each cat will need about, you know, they come in five and a half ounce cans. They need one of those cans a day. And here's another tip for you. After you've opened that can and you've taken out the feeding and you're going to store the rest of the can, don't just put one of those canned lids on it and stick it in the refrigerator because once the air has touched the can, that that metal releases a, a, a flavor, I guess, a, a taste into the food. And some cats won't eat the subsequent servings out of the can. So be sure to store it in a Tupperware container 
um, in between feedings in the refrigerator. It does need to go in the refrigerator because even though it has preservatives in it, once the air touches it, um, it is exposed to bacteria and will start to spoil. So be sure to put that in the refrigerator in a Tupperware container. So go get lots of canned food, no byproducts, gluten-free, grain-free, no corn, no soy, stuff like that. Hmm. Boy, that's interesting about not putting it in, leaving it in the can, because so often you find those little snap-on lids that'll do that, that seem to be really convenient. But there's nothing to scooping it into another container. That should be easy. Well, now that we've got that taken care of, what are we going to put this food in? What yeah, kind of bowls? One of the things that that was listed in these 10 things you need before bringing home a cat article that my friend sent me this morning was the smart bowl. And it, and it was kind of cool. It, it had a stainless steel inside to it and a rubber exterior, and it had a scale in it. So when you put the food in there, it would show you how many ounces of food you were putting in there. And that's that's pretty cool. That's particularly cool for a raw food diet if you're home making it because you'll need to weigh that meat and feed your cats, you know, a certain percentage of raw food per their body weight. And again, for all that formula and instructions on that, listen to the episode on feeding your cat raw food. But that was kind of cool. But more importantly, you know, cats have... Um, really sensitive nerve endings at the base of their whiskers. Their whiskers are not just hair growing out of their faces. They're actually more like octopus tentacles. They have very sensitive feeling in them. You'll notice when you are playing with your cat and dangling toys in front of them, their whiskers will come real far forward. And that's because when they're hunting and catching that prey, like when they've got a mouse, they'll use those whiskers almost hands and they feel the mouse so that they can tell what direction it's going to run in. So whiskers extremely sensitive. And if you feed them in a deep bowl, kind of a narrow, deep bowl, they've got to hold their whiskers back because they don't like their whiskers touching the sides of the bowl. And there was actually a guy that coined something called whisker fatigue and then made these bowls, these flat, you know, flat bowls, um, because cats could eat then without their whiskers touching the sides of the bowls. And that's very important. I sell a bowl. Uh, it's called a Becco bowl on Cat Behavior Solutions Behavior Boutique for that reason. We try to specialize in just products that kind of address a certain behavior or certain need for your cat, and bowls are very important. So a wide, shallow bowl where your cat doesn't have to cram its nose down into the bowl and touch its whiskers to the side is very important. And I like the Becco bowl because it's got enough of a rim on the inside that when you put the canned food or the raw food in there, and you, you can still add hot water to it without it overflowing. So definitely you'll need bowls, um, food bowls and water bowl, by the way. Both of them should be wide enough and shallow enough that your cat's whiskers aren't touching the edges. And when you go to feed, here's another tip for you. Be sure to put your water bowl away from your food bowl. It's not natural at all for cats to 
eat, where they drink, because in the wild, they would never store their food. If they have prey, they're going to store or eat later. They're not going to drag it off next to their fresh water source because it might contaminate the water source. So they really prefer that their water be in a different location. I have my water bowls up by the sinks because that way I can wash them out easily. You know, when you feel the slime on the bottom of the bowls, that's bacteria from their saliva growing in there, and that grows fast, like within 24 hours. So at least once a day, sometimes twice a day, I dump whatever water's left in there, scrub the bowl out real good, and then and replenish it. So they need, uh, they need bowls for both food and water that don't irritate their whiskers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That really is interesting. And I've heard, too, that they'll even use their whiskers to determine whether or not they can get into a certain small space. That that really, that the whiskers will determine how tiny a spot they try to crawl into. And they're like curb feelers. Yeah, curb feelers. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Well, that that would be, the thing about the wide bowls, though, That kind of fascinates me. It really does. Well, now that we've got the food in him, what about when the food comes out of him? (laughs) Inevitably. (laughs) And they need to invent a cat where the food doesn't come out of them. (laughs) So, yes, the sixth thing you need is a litter box and not just any litter box. Again, there are several Cat Talk Radio podcast episodes on creating the perfect bathroom for your cat and the ideal litter box. But here I'll give you the rundown, short rundown. Make sure that litter box is big, one and a half times the length of your new cat from the tip of its nose to the base of its tail. And it doesn't have to be a litter box because if you brought home a big cat, then you're going to go, there's not a litter box big enough. And chances are you're right. So you can just go to the dollar store and get a, a sweater storage box or any kind of plastic box that is long enough. It's just important that it be big enough for your cat. Make sure that box is uncovered. There is nothing natural about cats peeing in caves or holes, and they do not prefer covered boxes. Their noses are very, very, very sensitive. I mean, very, very sensitive. And when you cover a box, you're concentrating that the ammonia particles in the air from their urine, and it actually burns their nose to get in a covered litter box. So don't cover that box. Mm. Um, and I was just thinking about how fastidious cats are. It's why they're so particular about that. Isn't that true, Molly? Oh, yeah, definitely. It's you know, that's why you've also got to clean the box really well. I I scoop my boxes three times a day at least, sometimes four, because it's just like if you go into a public restroom and someone has poop smeared on the seat, you're not going to want to go in there. And mm. just like that, they don't want to step in their pee and poop when they're trying to go to the bathroom. So you've got to keep it clean for them. So when you have that family meeting, make sure that, you know, if you have kids, this is a great thing for your kids to learn. Not only does it help them learn how to take care of something other than themselves, but it teaches them responsibility. So maybe one of the children is assigned the morning scooping before they go to school and the other one assigned the evening scooping, you know, right after dinner so that the cat's litter box is scooped twice a day. And, and you know, litter, too, would be the other thing that, that's not 
we don't have that separate as one of the things you need, but to go along with the litter box, you need to get a very fine grain litter. They don't like pellets. So a fine, sandy, textured litter, preferably unscented because the chemicals that are used to scent litter make the litter very pleasant for us. I sure love the smell of the Tidy Cat's 24-7 multi-cat clumping litter in lightweight, by the way, because it's easier to handle. I love the way that smells. But if I can smell that deodorizing scent, it's really, really strong for cats. Cats have about... 3,000 times better scent receptors in their noses than we do. So if you can imagine that really fresh, tidy cat smell 3,000 times stronger, it's a little overwhelming. So be (laughs) sure to get an unscented version. And, And a lot of people these days are saying not to use clumping litter because the chemicals input in the chemi- in the litter that cause it to clump, if your cat ingests it, it will make them sick. And, you know, there's probably some truth to that. But I use a sweet scoop, which is made out of wheat, and it's naturally clumping, so there aren't any added chemicals in there. And if the cat happens to ingest it, trying to pick a clump out between its toes or something, it's not going to hurt it. It'll just pass it along. And that cat litter is flushable and biodegradable and all kinds of things. So be sure to get a nice, fine cat litter. No pellets. The cats don't like pellets. Mm. Yeah, the pellets are that stuff that's like little gravel. They have the sharp edges on them. I'm sure they hate that. The clay litter. Yeah. 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 It's the clay that that makes it clump, you know, just just like pottery clay. You know, when you, you go out there and you get it wet, then it sticks together. But Actually, the clay litters don't clump. They're usually non-clumping. Hmm. What they their premise is that they the clay absorbs the hmm. um you know the urine and therefore the odors. But I mean, it, the clay litter is probably good if you're gonna dump your litter once a week for sure and replace it completely. Otherwise, it it gets very smelly. You'll find the yeah. odors probably not gonna be to your liking. But it is cheap. Yeah, And if you have a declawed cat, they in particular are sensitive to the little sharp shards that are in the clay litter. Mm. So I prefer the more fine grain ones. Like I said, I use Sweet Scoop just because it's all natural. Um, certainly Tidy Cats has got the finest sand-like texture. I mean, and you can use sand too, but... Uh, dump that completely probably every week and you don't need a lot of it you know when you go to fill up your new uncovered litter box that's one and a half times the length of your cat <laughs> you only need to put <laughs> about two inches of litter in there you don't need to overfill it and certainly don't underfill it they need they'd like to scratch and and cover up their business uh-huh. well, I think I think a lot of us assume if we're going to put the litter in there that you really need to pile it in but you don't it doesn't no. they don't have to wade in it, right? No, definitely not. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, boy, that takes care of that kind of group of essentials, but not just feeding and watering and finding a place for them to relieve themselves. Those they are also the basics. That's the real <laughs> basics. But after that, you know, there are things like, you know, Places for them to play, things for them to play with, and mainly scratching. I think we all worry that we're going to get a cat and it's going to shred the furniture. So what can we do about that? And it and it will. It's guaranteed to shred your furniture if you don't provide a, an appropriate scratching post. 
So a scratching post is is got to be tall, needs to be at least the full length of your cat. I have one that's 41 inches tall, and it's a pretty good diameter. It's probably about six, six inches or so in diameter. And uh, it has a nice sturdy base. You can get these on Amazon for, you know, $40 or so. And it's got sisal rope around the post. And I like the sisal rope because the cats do, but I also like it because it it seems to pull off the nail tips more easily than carpet or cardboard or any of those other surfaces. So they definitely need a scratching post. It definitely needs to be tall, 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 not one of the little tiny 24-inch ones unless you have an itty-bitty kitten and then you're going to be needing to get a new one in a few months. And put the scratching post by a window if you can because the reason that cats scratch is as a territory marker. So in the wild, they'll scratch to leave visual signs to other cats potentially coming into their territory to say, this is my territory. And then they also have scent glands between their toes that is is left behind with the scratching. So they're leaving an odor as well as a visual marker. And that's natural behavior for a cat. Your cat doesn't tear up your sofa because it's mad at you. It tears up your sofa because it needs to scratch. They also get a really good back stretch out of scratching, and it does take off their nail sheaths at the end, which is important to them. So it, it's got to be a big, tall, sturdy one next to a window, because next to a window is where they might potentially see cats roaming or passing your yard, and that would be a natural place to scratch and leave a territorial marking. So mm-hmm. if you have your scratching post kind of hidden away because it doesn't go with your furniture and then maybe the back of your sofa that faces that window where your neighborhood cats cross is going to become the new scratching place. So put it in a in a place that makes sense for the cat. Hmm. And you were talking about, you know, the, the nail sheaths coming off because I think you told me that not long ago there was a cat in the shelter whose nails had never been clipped and obviously didn't have access to anything like a scratching post and didn't you tell me that one of its nails had really grown so long that it was you know growing into its paw pad? yeah I've, I've seen several of those this year where just poor neglected cats where their nails haven't been trimmed and and the the nail grew completely down into the nail pad and was infected it, it's mm. it's horrible so definitely you know Nail trimmers is not on our list, but maybe should have been. But mm. <laughs> because, you know, definitely uh, you need to keep your cat's nails trimmed. And we sell the best nail trimmers in the world called a Zen Clipper. Again, if you go to the Behavior Boutique on catbehaviorsolutions.org, you'll find it. I, I just added a new size to the nail clipper, the Zen Clippers, because of that. Because cats whose nails haven't been cut in a long time or if they're old cats, their nails get really thick. And so I added the medium size for for really older cats, thicker nails, but extra, extra smalls for kittens, extra smalls for small cats, small is for your average size cat, and then medium for those those thick, Mm -hmm. thick nails. And, And you should trim your cat's nails, you know, when you see that they're getting long. And the cool thing about the Zen Clipper, I should probably say why we carry that one, is it has a hole in it 
and a conical blade around that hole. You just slip the nail into it, squeeze and cut. So you don't have to open it like a pair of scissors. You can never over trim. Mm -hmm. So part of the reason people don't trim their cat's nails is like the same reason they don't take them to the vet because they're afraid they're going to hurt them. You know, Mm -hmm. so the Zen Clipper is awesomely cool. Check it out. It's only 20 bucks. It's worth every penny and it lasts forever. I've had mine for years. I use it at the shelter on numerous cats every week and it's still cutting very, very sharp. So get one Mm. of those. It's not on the list. That's your bonus tip. (laughs) Maybe we should have made this a dozen things you need before bringing home a cat. (laughs) I think think that we easily could. Well, a number of years ago, uh, Molly rescued a kitten that I fostered after it had lost a leg so that it never really became socialized to anybody else but me. So it was really a very cranky cat. But as it was a kitten, I used to hold him on my lap and play with his paws. You know, I would take his little paws and gently squeeze him until it extended his nails and, you know, just did that as a a play, comforting thing when he would be sitting on my lap or something. And I found then that when I wanted to clip his nails, he was perfectly comfortable with me doing that. And I think that might be a good tip so that, you know, you, you don't end up having to clip their nails the first time and you have to wrestle them to hang on to their paws. So that might be a, a good technique, Molly. What do you think? Definitely, especially if you're bringing home a kitten, make sure that that kitten gets plenty of exposure to all kinds of handling and all kinds of things. The more things you can expose a small kitten to, the better adult cat it's going to, it's going to be. And especially handling their feet. Some, you know, cats are very sensitive on their feet. Not all cats like to be touched on their feet, but if you start early and like she said, you, you squeeze the nails out and just gently touching the feet with nothing happening, Mm -hmm. that, that definitely gets the cat desensitized to the eventual nail trimming. Hmm. Yeah, that worked for uh, for Lucky. <laughs> it really mm-hmm. did. Well, we've got a scratching post, but how about someplace for the cat to, to get away from things on the ground or be able to see and that kind of stuff? Don't they need something like that? Yeah, you know, the the list that my friend sent me, the first thing on the list was a heated cat bed. <laughs> and, you know, we live in the South, and a heated cat bed is probably not a great idea. Um, if geriatric cats, heated beds that have the little, um, the little heating pads built in them is a good idea because they do get arthritic and sore, and, and it's good for them to have a heating pad. But the general cat is... You know, they're just like anything else. You buy them a real expensive bed and then they're going to sleep in the cardboard box, right? (laughs) (laughs) They're going to sleep where they feel comfortable. So more importantly than a bed, I would say that they need a cat tower because cats like to be up high. You know, cats require a lot more square footage than we give them credit for. In school, they told us that a cat needed a 10-bedroom home, each cat. (laughs) So they need a lot of space. And so we have to maximize our square footage by taking it vertically for cats. So in addition to the scratching posts, a lot of people will do a scratching post and, and cat tower combined in one. But I like to have those separate. 
So have a scratching post by the window. Cat tower by the window is good too. That way they can get out there and, and see birds and go ahead and put a bird feeder out there as well to, to attract them. It's good enrichment for the cat. And get the mm. tallest one you can possibly get. And the cat will have lots of little places to sleep in that cat tower and you will find that that will double as a bed uh, when you're not home. Otherwise the cats you know, will probably sleep with you. Because they, they like to be with us. So cat tower is very important for not only increasing square footage, but providing a, a safe place to get up and away from things the cat might perceive as stressful. Other animals in the home, visitors, children, things like that. So they need to get up and away. That's that's important. Yeah, because, you know, we find that cats will run away and hide and usually end up under a bed where you can't fish them out. But I think if you have a tower, they might prefer that, especially if it has a little cubby in it where they feel mm-hmm. they can they can be invisible. And mm-hmm. then some, sometimes taking that an extension in an article in a magazine one time I saw, I think you saw this too, Molly, uh, a man that had built a series of shelves all up the walls of his house <laughs> that were carpeted. So this cat had an entire wall of climbing <laughs> Oh yeah, that's that's very important. And mm-hmm. and usually they build those shelves that go up the wall to a a, a shelf system like mm-hmm. a little highway, a little cat super highway that runs a, along the perimeter of rooms and connects rooms mm-hmm. where the cats can go up, walk along the highway and then get down in another place. Just be sure they have two exit routes. Cats like to have two exit routes. Mm-hmm. They love to be up high. And that, again, that increases the square footage of the house for the cat, which is, is very, very important, especially in a multi-cat household and or in small spaces. Mm-hmm. But you can get real extravagant with with cats. You know, we have a, a catio, which is another thing that would be great for your cat to have. Not all spaces are set up for catios, but we have catios in our homes where the cat has a cat door and it has access to an outdoor area that's covered and protected so predators can't get in and get them and and they can't get out. And we have cat towers out there and we've built little cat walks along the ceiling and they've got mm-hmm. lots of places to climb and explore and watch birds and mice and be in the outdoors safely. Yeah, the next thing you need to do, Molly, is provide them with a barbecue out there. I think that's missing. <laughs> <laughs> well, they like their food raw, so oh, they don't need well, a barbecue okay. they out don't need there. A barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> they just eat those little mises head to tail. <laughs> and lizards. They love lizards. Oh, lizards are great. Yeah, I And know birds. Do. If they can get birds, they'll eat no. those too. <laughs> uh, you're ready for the catio. <laughs> well, in lieu of... The mouses and the birds. Uh, can't we give them something that's, um, you know, not live to uh, entertain them? Yeah, the ninth thing on our list that you need before bringing a cat home is toys. So there's two kinds of toys for cats. There's the furry mice you throw down and they play with by themselves. And then there's the interactive wand toy. And you absolutely positively have to have an interactive wand toy with a new cat because the cat may or may not play with its own toys but it's very important that you simulate that hunting sequence for your cat so the cat needs to see a prey or something it thinks is prey stalk it chase it pounce on it 
kill it, bite it. It's real important because that kill bite releases serotonin in the brain. And the serotonin is the neurochemical in the brain that regulates mood and sleep. So it's important that the cat get kill bites in. And it doesn't have to be live prey. You know, you don't have to go to the store and get little mice and let them loose in the house or anything. (laughs) You just have to simulate that with a thing that's called a one toy. So it's a stick and it's got a, a string and then it's got a little toy on the end, either a mouse or feathers with crinkle paper or something like that, that that resembles prey. And your job is to take that and make it disappear around a corner cat can't stand that i'm running chasing after it and pop it up in the air and they'll fly up and catch it but the important thing is to do let them catch it and get a kill bite in because those kill bites are very very important to your cat so you need to have those i call them prey play sessions p-r-e-y twice a day for 10 to 15 minutes and that's another thing to discuss in your family prep meeting is who's going to be responsible for the morning playtime and who's going to be responsible for the afternoon playtime or evening. Really, I recommend that you play with them 30 minutes before you go to bed and then you feed them that last meal right before you go to bed. So again, these are good assignments for children if you have them. Um, If not, it's a fun family thing to do together. So pray, play with those cats. So you need, (laughs) ninth item you need is a wand toy. And that's even more entertaining watching them than TV is to watch the cat play with that. And with the kids, um, they're so tempted to never let the cat catch it. You know, they want to really play keep away with it. So you're right, Molly, having a conversation with them and saying, yeah, I'll do that for a while, but make sure that you let the cat catch it occasionally. Yeah, kids and guys are the worst about that. I don't know, you know, with guys, this becomes like a big competition. I got it. Ah, you didn't get it. You didn't catch it. I got it. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. it. You got you to gotta let them catch it in this case. Right. Well, then, you know, it sounds like all of this is going to get the cat pretty well settled. And they're going to be happy if you manage to accomplish all this. Cat. You know, happy I got it. I had a a behavior consult uh, lady reached out to me uh, not too long ago about her cat uh, attacking her, jumping on her and and biting her when she was sitting still in the home, when she was watching TV or laying in bed. And so I kind of run down the list of things that, you know, that cause cats stress, you know, what are you feeding them? What do you feed them in? Show me your litter box, stuff like that. We did a virtual consult because she was, uh, I believe, in the Midwest or East Coast area. And she showed me and everything in this woman's house was exactly as I prescribe it. And she said, well, this was my first cat. And I'd listened to your podcast. I'd Googled and listened to all your podcasts. And she had set this house up perfectly for this cat. But the one thing she wasn't doing was prey playing enough because it was a young cat. She did go to work. So the cat, you know, the cat had pent up energy and and the cat wanted her attention. So the cat was jumping on her and biting her because that made her react and, you know, pick him up or get up or, you know, why did you do that or even scold him? And and she needed to burn off more energy with the cat and, and have more interactive play. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's an important yeah. one. Well, and you realize you're, gonna, you're bringing a cat home and it's not a piece of decoration. It's not like a, you know, picture you hang on the wall or, or some sculpture you put in a corner. 
that it becomes a member of the family and there are responsibilities that come with it. It's it's like another child in the house, only it's a very special kind of child. <laughs> you know, well, it's and not, it's, anyway. You know, people get cats thinking that, oh, they're lower maintenance. I don't have to take it right. on a walk. I don't have to go play fetch. You know, I don't have to go to right. the dog park. And, you know, they are lower maintenance in that regard, but they do require maintenance and cats do mm-hmm. require things. And, you know, these 10 things that we're listing that you need before you bring a cat home are, are, are just a few. They need, you know, far more than just this, but these are certainly 10 good basics, which brings us to our 10th thing. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, because at some point you're going to have to take this happy cat and make him real unhappy and take him to the vet. So how do you do that? We hope so. <laughs> we hope you've established a good relationship with that vet, and one of the first things you're going to do is take him to the vet. So yes, I think you need to get a carrier before you go pick up your new cat. And mm. the kind of carrier that I recommend is a hard-sided carrier so that it, you can strap them in and they're safe in the car. A top-loading carrier. They make them with like a metal grate on the top, which which top-loads. And this is important because it's hard to get cats through that front door of a carrier. It's a whole lot easier to lower them through the top. And it's real easy for a vet to examine a cat that's nervous or shy in the carrier if it's a top-loading carrier. It's okay that they stay in there. That becomes their comfort zone. The other thing I do is recommend that you leave that carrier out in the house so that the cat doesn't begin to associate that carrier with just, you know, stressful encounters. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it throw treats in there, feed it in there from time to time so that it associates that carrier with something normal that's in its environment. A lot of people will get carriers out and the cats will just go dive under the bed and they can't get them out. So make that mm-hmm. carrier part of their daily lives by by keeping it out you know we even clicker train cats to load up into carriers with let's go and pointing to the carrier and then you can take your cat on trips you know little short trips around that result in something fun happening you know maybe you take your cat you know a mile away and stop pull over and give it some treats and you know Hmm. pet it tell it what a good cat it is and then take it home so that not every car ride results in something scary and um, having a good carrier is is a definitely something each cat needs and i I, uh, went to the shelter with molly here locally not too long ago and was observing the clicker training she was doing with the shelter cats especially ones that are a little more skittish and probably much less likely to get adopted and watched her clicker train a shelter cat that had been shy to just hop in a carrier. And, you know, boy, what a benefit that's going to be for anybody that adopts that cat. And I'm sure he got adopted right away, didn't he, Molly? Um, I'm not sure which one you're talking about. We're working with one now in the Santa Fe Uh shelter that was highly aggressive coming out Mm -hmm. of a confined space. And he would come out and and attack people's faces as soon as you let him out of the carrier. So they couldn't even get a, a vet exam done in the shelters. They couldn't get him from his kennel to the vet office and the vet would open the carrier and it was full on attack. So yeah, we got him completely calmed down. He enters the carrier with 
let's go and pointing command. And we did that very slowly, but it took about three weeks. And you can take that cat anywhere in the carrier, mm. and he's a happy camper. But that particular one has not been adopted yet, sadly. Uh, he's yeah. still at the shelter. Ah, but somebody will come along, I can tell. A number of years ago, I had a little cat that loved to ride in a car, which was really unusual. I think part of it is that cats don't instinctively have that when the car goes around corners or stops in bracing themselves. It seems like dogs kind of come hardwired for that, you know. So I think for a cat, that's really unsteady. It'd be like us trying to stand up in an earthquake, you know, to do that. But this cat loved it. She would stand on the front um, seat of the car front paws on the on the dashboard and just watch everything go by and loved it and I used to take her up in the mountains Molly when I lived in the mountains and uh, go out to one of the picnic areas in the middle of the day with her leash on and she would just explore and had a great time so not all cats really um, can be freaked out by riding in a car you might get Mm -hmm. lucky and and get one like kitty that was a really Unusual name, <laughs> mm-hmm. like my kitty, like Tabasco. He he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't he mind. It's it. not his favorite thing, but he doesn't mind. He knows we're gonna get to wherever we're going, and that it'll be a fun thing once we get there. So he doesn't really care yeah. a whole lot about riding in a car. He's just relaxed. I think just being with you, and I think everybody's gonna find that with their cat too. That your presence is probably gonna be the most comforting thing for the cat that makes them the happiest they just want to be with you you know (laughs) it can be it can also be stressful so you know again if you're used to a cat freaking out whenever you get in a car or put it in a carrier and you get stressed and Mm. emotional you know the cat picks up on that because it cats pick up on very subtle body language and you know from us and so it's important that you remain calm so -hmm. that your cat can remain calm (laughs) and purr on right (laughs) we're just about to that point aren't we i think we're getting close to the the 10 things so give us a recap mom what are the 10 things you need before bringing home a cat okay i think the first one was make sure that the family is ready for the cat you know, the cat, you're going to have to work on getting comfortable in the home, but the home better be ready to have the cat, you know, so that all the kids understand it and, you know, everybody is on board for how to how to receive this animal into their home. And the second one, Molly, was, you know, make sure you've got a vet, you know, take that cat to the vet, make sure it's healthy and you keep it healthy. And the third one was, make sure he's well identified with a collar and a tag and definitely a microchip so that if something happens and the cat gets out and they can be real escape artists, can't they, Molly? You know, that you know that at least if they're found, they can get back to you. And then the fourth one, Molly, is we talked about this food, you know, what kind of food to have ready for them when they come home. And, yep. you know, like you said, you've got whole, whole episodes devoted to the best food. And then you got to put the food in a bowl, and you talked about whisker fatigue in bowls that are too deep for them, and how the bowl's got to be wide enough, keeping it comfortable, and then about the water bowl near it, so you covered that. But then we talked about, okay, what happens next is you're going to have to have a litter box that the cat can relieve itself in, because, you know, they're... 
unlike dogs, you know, you don't have to housebreak them. They come already ready. Even as tiny kittens I've seen, Molly, will just go seek out that litter box so that they've got a place to relieve themselves that they're comfortable in. And then we talked about the scratching post. That was number seven. So that they have a place where they can, you know, uh, scratch their claws and stretch themselves. So that was a good one. And then number eight, aside from a scratching post, is having a tower, you know, a place that's their own little jungle gym, you know, climbing place where they can get up high. They like to be up high because they can see everything. And that's that's really a good one. And then, you know, you got to play with them. Number nine, get them those toys. And Molly said the wand toy, that's so much fun to play with them too. It really is. And they love it. And then 10 is the carrier. Try to have something where you can take the cat to the vet or take the cat someplace if you're traveling or whatever. I think that's all 10 of them. Good job. You were paying Ah. attention. I was trying to. I was afraid there was going to be a test. (laughs) There was a test. You passed. Oh, I did. A plus. Good job. Okay. (laughs) And thanks for co-hosting with us today, Mom. Hopefully we'll have you back soon. Right. Well, I had great fun. And I know that the handsome Dewey at some point is going to be back with you. But next week, you do have a special guest. Kitten lady. Kitten lady. Woo, kitten lady. Great. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And until then, everybody, thanks for tuning in. And keep calm and purr on. Let's hear you purr, Mom. Oh, I'm terrible at purring. Come on. I can't do it. Hear you purr. (laughs) <laughs> I could never I could never speak <laughs> I could never speak Spanish or Italian because I can't trill those R's. <laughs> That's the whole thing with people purring. Okay, purr on Molly. All right, keep calm and purr on listeners. Looking for products that address specific cat behavior issues? On our website, cattalkradio.com, you'll find things that will create enrichment in the environment for your cat. Toys that will reduce boredom, the world's best and safest nail clippers, and much more. All proceeds support our mission, reducing the number of cats surrendered to shelters. Stop by the site and pick up a few tips and tidbits for your cat today. Visit cattalkradio.com and look for The Behavior Shop. You can be a cat lifesaver by helping to keep us on the air. In the U.S., about 10 cats per hour are euthanized in shelters due to behavior issues. Through this educational radio show, behavior consultations, seminars, and articles, Cat Behavior Solutions intercepts cat behavior problems in the home, reducing the number of cats who are surrendered to shelters. Make a donation at catbehaviorsolutions.com. That's catbehaviorsolutions.com. Thanks for tuning in to Cat Talk Radio. Please join your host, Molly DeVos, for another episode of the program on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go make a connection with your feline friend.